Welcome to Nurturing Bright Futures, the higher education podcast for teachers and advisors, brought to you by UEA. Each month, we provide the latest information you need to guide your students through their journey to university, plus hints and tips to help support you in your work. We know you're busy, so we keep each episode to around 20 minutes, just long enough for a cup of coffee. So, pop the kettle on and let's get started. Hello and welcome back to Nurturing Bright Futures, the HE podcast from UEA. My name's Alex and with me this month, as well as a host of guests, is Lydia, one of our HE advisors. Hi Lydia. Hi there, I'm Lydia. I'm one of the higher education advisors um, here at UEA based in London, so working with schools in London and also in Berkshire. Um, I'm also going to be chatting to all of our wonderful guests that we have here today. Later in the show, we'll be taking a closer look at degrees and career options related to healthcare. But first of all, we're going to find out a bit more about MOOCs. So here at UEA, we offer a number of MOOCs and we're delighted to be joined by David Gerling from our School of International Development, who is about to launch our latest MOOC. Hello, David. Hello. Thank you very much for coming and speaking to us today. Um, So first off, what actually is a MOOC? What is a MOOC? Uh, A MOOC stands for a massive online open course. Um, and usually they're free to everybody to join. There's a number of different platforms, but UEA uses the Future Learn platform. And people can sign up to a MOOC. The MOOC that we're just currently developing is it's five weeks long and it's two hours per week. But they can be different lengths of time. Some can be just one week and some can be six weeks. So they're free to join, but at the end of them, you can actually pay for a certificate if you would like one. Oh, okay. So the MOOC that you are about to launch, it's brand new, yes. is that right? And can you tell us a little bit more about it? So what's it all about? Um, what course content? What will students expect to kind of get from the MOOC um, at the end? Yeah, of course. It's called What is International Development? And so it's by the School of International Development. And I'm the admissions director in the school for undergraduate courses and many years ago there used to be a, well not even many years ago, a couple of years ago there used to be a world development A-level and that's now stopped and so some people actually say what is international development even when they come to our open days. So we decided to develop a MOOC aimed really at 16 to 18 year olds but also postgraduates can take it as well because sometimes still they don't fully understand what is international development. So as I said, it's a five-week course and it starts with asking those questions. So it's it's actually a case study in Nairobi. A lot of it is is shot in Nairobi, Kenya. And we go out onto the street and we ask people, we say, what is international development? And they answer the question. Then we come back and we have exercises and there's different writings and there's videos, etc. that explore what is international development by looking at population growth, gender and development, media and development the environment, Uh, we also look at the waste economy and it's all based around Nairobi as a case study. So you can learn lots of many different aspects of what actually international development is all about. And how long does it take? So you said five weeks, but sort of how many hours? What kind of commitment is it for the student to to enrol onto it? Sure. It's two hours on average per week. I mean, everybody obviously will engage with it in different ways because there are quizzes and there's opportunities to go on discussion boards and things like that. But in general, it's around about two hours per week for five weeks. So 10 hours in total. 
So if our teachers and advisors listening would like to get their students involved, what would they need to do to register their interest in taking part in the course? Yeah, basically you can go on to, I mean the course doesn't actually start till January the 6th, but you can go on to the Future Learn website, which is www.futurelearn.com, and you can register on there, and registering will be open sometime in December. But obviously, you can join right up until January the 6th. Wonderful. That sounds really great. Thank you very much, David, for coming and speaking to us, and good luck with the course. Thank you. It was a pleasure talking to you. Nurturing Bright Futures. The Higher Education Advice Podcast for teachers and advisors. Brought to you by UEA. So now we're going to take um, a look at the higher education options in healthcare. Um, We're joined today by Karen, Stan, Neil and Coral from our School of Health Sciences. Um, Hello all, thank you for joining us. Hi Lydia. Hello. 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 Um, I'm just going to start with Karen. Could you just give us a little bit of an overview of the school, a bit of an introduction, that would be great. Yeah, sure. Um, Our school, we're really lucky in our school. We have just about every healthcare professional um, training that um, goes on, apart from dentists. We don't have dentists, do we, in our faculty? But if you can imagine any healthcare professional working out in the NHS or private healthcare, we train them up here at the UEA. Um, so in the School of Health Sciences, we have midwifery and we have nursing. We have all branches of nursing that's adult, learning disabilities, children's, and mental health. We have paramedic science. We have operating department practitioner, and that's why Stan has come as part of the team today to talk about being an ODP, because we feel it's one of the professions that people out in the world don't know very much about. So Stan has come to talk about passionately his uh, career as as an ODP. Neil is here. Uh, today because learning disabilities nursing is one of the areas of nursing that we struggle with really and yet it's a, it offers up so much opportunity in terms of employment so he's come to talk about that and Coral has come to talk a little bit about the different routes into nursing because it is very very confusing so we want to bring a little bit of clarity to that. We don't have a physiotherapist or an occupational therapist or a speech and language therapist here today, but those are the professions that we have in HSC. So it's just us four, and I'm a midwife, that's, that's my background. With that, do you think it might be useful for me to go to Stan and ask Yeah, him definitely. Is that? Yeah, Stan, it'd be great to hear a bit about ODP. It's well, something that not everyone's always completely yeah. aware of. As so. Karen said, it's not um, a profession that people tend to hear about very often, but it's one of those where it's very satisfying. You are not in the public limelight. You are one of those people who, if you're going to do this job, are one of those people who is quite happy working on your own, but within a team, because you have to be in a team. You can't do everything. But equally, you have to be very confident in yourself that you know what you're doing, you know why you're doing it, and you're able to respond to things quickly. When patients come into a hospital for an operation, um, they don't always behave the way they're supposed to. And sometimes things change rather quickly. And uh, one of the nice things about working in an anaesthetic room is that you've got about five minutes to solve the problem, and it's really challenging. And uh, That, for me, is one of the greatest excitements of the job. Um, if you're not doing the anaesthetic side or helping the anaesthetist, you could be working on the surgical side. So you're scrubbed, you're, you're 
making sure that everything the surgeon needs for the operation is there, that everything is maintained in a safe and sterile way, and that uh, the patients are looked after and positioned properly, that patients don't come to any harm. And um, then the third part of the job, the job comes in three parts, is the post-op recovery. So you could be working in the recovery unit, looking after the patient after they've had their operation, making sure that they are fit and well to go back to the ward, that they're warm, that they're pain-free, that they're um, psychologically stable, because it can be quite scary having an operation. People have an awful lot of uh, concerns and worries, and when they wake up, they have a million and one questions to ask you. And so you've got to be prepared for that as well. So we, we have all of those factors. And then in, in amongst that, we look after um, newborn to 105, 106-year-olds. So any age group, any condition that someone comes with it, that they've acquired in life, um, we've got to be prepared to look after them. So it is a really fascinating job and we get to meet everybody. Do you think, Stan, that students that do ODP tend to like the technical aspect as well? Because there's a lot of technical there's stuff a, these days. There's a theaters. huge amount of technology. It's computers, there's gadgets. It's completely different to 30 years ago when I started. Um, there's cables everywhere. There's electronics everywhere. Um, you've got to be a problem solver. You've got to enjoy learning things. The job changes every six months, and there's new innovations coming along all the time. Theatres are always at the forefront of technology because it's an expensive place to be, and uh, the companies know that. So mm. we get all the new toys. Mm. It's, it's great. The type of person that works there thrives on adrenaline, but also is quite compassionate because you do see people and they're most vulnerable, and you've got to be able to look after people who are absolutely petrified and show them that you care about them. And for that 10 minutes that you see them awake, you're gonna make them feel like they're the only person you're looking after that day. And that's quite a challenge. Yeah, I uh, bet it is. It sounds very rewarding. It is as very, a it career, is very. Definitely. <laughs> so as a, a student, what you would be looking for in a potential ODP student would be a problem solver, like you said, yes. someone obviously yeah. caring and wants to look after people. Yeah. But equally um, someone who is, is also perhaps originally thinking maybe I want to do engineering because that's the same kind of skills that you need because it's problem solving, it's, it's looking at a situation, it's responding quickly. Uh, it could equally be somebody who was thinking maybe psychology or something like that because you, you do have a lot of other issues going on in the operating theatre and um, people tend to stay in one area. So if, if you work in the anaesthetics, you tend to, a lot of times people will stay within anaesthetics or if they work in recovery, they'll stay there. So. The caring side is very important, but equally we come with different challenges that um, that interest us as people. Mm. And then that changes as you grow as well, as you have family and you, 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 you move along. You, that tends to change you as a person anyway, so there's lots of migration within the job. Uh, and there's also plenty of opportunities to work with those skills in other areas like intensive care. It's, it's the same kind of approach to, to caring for the patient as if you would have an intensive care nurse who mm. working in the department. I've learnt a lot from that myself as well. It's really interesting. And am I right in thinking it's slightly shorter than a we nursing a, degree? Or? At the UEA, we offer a two-year diploma course. Okay. So it may change in the future, but um, 
at the moment it's a two-year diploma course which is great for those who are thinking they'd like to get working sooner uh, the good thing is once they do finish and qualify as an ODP they will enter the profession as a band five and employability is fantastic there is no hospital in the country that offers surgery that doesn't have vacancies and uh, there's always vacancies for ODPs subscribe to our podcast now and make sure you never miss another episode so we've sort of I just briefly mentioned nursing um, there so I'm now going to move over and talk to um, another one of our guests Coral who's come to talk to us about um, nursing but sort of traditional and I guess non-traditional routes into nursing um, if that's what you're sort of interested in in doing. So I'm an adult nurse by background and I came into nursing as a mature student which may interest some people um, and I want to talk a little bit about the different ways that you can come into nursing. So the direct entry route which is what most people would think about you come in with A-levels or with BTECs or sometimes with um, degrees in other subjects and that's the sort of straightforward way in and that's a three-year program but we do offer alternatives and there's an apprenticeship route into nursing which we offer at UEA in conjunction with our local trusts the way to apply to that isn't through the traditional UCAS route but to trusts themselves and the trust will advertise through NHS jobs if they have apprenticeships available there are a few different types and I'm not going to go into that now but I, what I would say that if you are interested in an apprenticeship route would be to gain as much experience as you can as a healthcare assistant in a trust that you might be interested in working in and then you'll be aware if apprenticeship options are coming up and you'll be able to apply for them usually they would advertise internally as well as externally and and we kind of the strap line is earn while you learn isn't Absolutely, it and yes. it's, it's probably how we when I did my nursing that is what happened that is yes. how we trained so it's going back it's kind to of gone full circle a little it bit has, hasn't yeah. it and certainly the apprentices that we have currently at UEA are fan- a fantastic cohort fantastic cohorts we have a few cohorts and they benefit from working alongside learning as you said work and learn so part of the program they are working in their their normal workplace as healthcare assistants and the other part of the program they have supernumerary placements in different um, trusts and their own trust in different areas so they learn have a broad experience just like any other traditional student will also have well not just like slightly Mm, different but they will have to have the similar kind of experiences yeah. And what do you think you would, I know I asked Stan a very similar question, what do you sort of look for in a potential nursing student or is there any advice you would give to someone applying for nursing? So I think one of the key things, if you can, is to have some experience of working in a, not necessarily a hospital, but in some sort of caring capacity because that will help you know if nursing is really what you what you would enjoy doing. So the type of person to apply for nursing would definitely have to be compassionate as for Stan and for the ODPs but the thing about nursing is there's such a adult nursing especially there's such a diversity of opportunities some nurses will be really good problem solvers um, work in A&E or ITU and quick thinking um, acute sort of settings whereas others are much happier in in a community a community hospital where the pace may be a lot slower but they have more time with their patients so it's difficult to know when you apply which type of nurse you want to be but there just to say that nursing adult nursing especially takes a whole range of people and so 
I think the key thing would be compassion and communication, being able to communicate with others. If you can't do that, then clearly you can't really very easily be a nurse. But those are sort of fundamental skills that I would say you would need. We get a lot of students coming in asking us about nursing and they're always in a dilemma of whether to do child nursing or adult nursing and we always sort of say that the adult nursing might maybe a bit broader you might be able to kind of do more with it later on but is there anything you would say if they were to ask you well I think I'm a bit biased because I'm an adult nurse if you asked a a pediatric nurse they would say choose pediatrics but I think that you're right I think doing adult nursing opens so many opportunities and there's nothing to stop you as an adult nurse working in pediatrics you can work definitely in NICU special care baby units and things like that as an adult nurse you don't have to be pediatric trained to work in those areas and actually I have a colleague that I work with closely in in our local trust and she does bank shifts in pediatrics because she loves children but she's an adult nurse so there's there's no reason why even even with an adult qualification you can't work in in a pediatric Mm. area potentially that's good to know yeah I was intrigued myself it's it's a little bit tougher as well to get on to children's nursing programs so um it is it is yeah so we've talked a bit about child and adult nursing just then um, and now I want to kind of bring the two things together and um, we've got Neil who's come to actually talk about learning disability nursing that would cover both I guess in a way working with children and adults. So learning disability nursing as a learning disability nurse you will be able to work with people across the age spectrum I say spectrum but it goes from children and young people right up to um, older people who are developing older age-related mental health and physical health um, problems. And you'll have an opportunity to work with those individually, but also working very closely with their families and with their carers, which is it's a really nice place to be. And generally, what you tend to find with learning disability nurses, they'll be working with people for long periods of time. So whereas somebody who goes into hospital, um, an adult nurse might have a p- short period of time in which they're providing support and care, with a learning disability nurse, the likelihood is you could be working with somebody for months and sometimes years. And I think there's a benefit to that because you build a very good relationship and you also get to understand people and understand people's needs and be very innovative in the way that you work with them to try and help them to um, develop um, and to be engaged more in social activities and have an improved quality of life. And I think one of, the, one of the key things about learning disability nursing as well is that we can work across a whole range of settings. So we can work in hospital settings as part of a nursing team on a ward, for example. We can work as health liaison nurses within hospitals where we go and provide advice and guidance to staff um, and to carers and people with learning disabilities about the care that they're going to receive in that area. You could work in schools as a, as a nurse, you could work with the Broad College of Nursing, the Nursing with Biffrey Council, the Department of Health, you could work in prisons, in forensic or uh, hospitals that are for people who um, have uh, come into contact with the criminal justice system. You can also become an epilepsy specialist nurse as a, if you want to specialise in somewhere, you can also specialise in other areas such as autism and um, specific types of syndromes and I think that's something to, important to recognise is that people with learning disabilities are, are varied and they're individual and they all come with different sets of unique needs. Some will come with just a learning disability plus maybe physical and psychological health needs, some will come with those plus an added diagnosis of another syndrome, maybe autism or Down syndrome or Fragile X syndrome. 
which adds to the complication of what you need to do to work with that person to, um, to help them have a fulfilling and rewarding life. Other things you could do, I suppose, is work with in CAMS, which is the Child and Adolescent Mental Health Services. You can also, if you look at what I do, I'm now an academic, so I do teaching. So you can come into teaching and you can, you can take on, really, any sort of role that you want to take as a learning disability nurse because you're very, we try and make sure that when nurses finish their programme, they're flexible in their thinking, they're innovative, they're creative. But most of all, and it's the same as the other fields and, and the other guests that have talked today, is it is about compassion. We do want people who have got compassion, the drive, the motivation, and they want to make things better for that particular um, group of people. People with learning disabilities are probably one of the most vulnerable people in society so they also need people who will help them to think about um, keeping themselves safe. That's been really really interesting uh, thank you all so much for coming in and speaking with me today and uh, it's been great to have you all here. Thanks Lydia. Thank you, thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> thank you. Email schools at uea.ac.uk to find out what we can do to support your school. So that's it for Nurturing Bright Futures for this year. We'd love to hear from you, so do drop us a line at schools at uea.ac.uk. But for now, from everyone here at UEA, we hope you have a relaxing and enjoyable Christmas, and we look forward to seeing you in the new year. That's it for this month's episode of Nurturing Bright Futures. We would absolutely love to hear from you. To book a visit, make a suggestion, or ask us a question, drop us a line at schools at uea.ac.uk. Thanks for joining us.